But I was going into Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converter. Power converter. Going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converter. Toshi Station, Toshi Station, Toshi Station. Power converter. Hello and welcome to Toshi Station Radio, where we sell power converters and talk about X-wing. We're all still working from home. Our power converters are stuck somewhere in the outer rim. So let's talk about some X-wing. I'm Matt Newt. I'm Doug Howe. And I'm Alex Smittle. And we took a quick break for the Thanksgiving holiday in order to absorb some gravy and a ton of X-Wing news. We're back to talk about it. But first, uh, how's everybody been doing these past few weeks? Doug? Oh, pretty good. Uh, not a ton happening. I played in the Lima Open this last weekend. Uh, that, was, that was a real good time. Indeed. Uh, uh, that was a charity tournament put on by the folks down in Peru, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is yeah, I believe that they're charity page is still up. If you just go to xwinglimaopen.com, you can find the, the link for the info. Um, they raised a crazy amount of money. Like I think uh, after costs and everything, they raised over $900 from the tournament itself, and then uh, Dion, who was streaming through Gold Squadron uh, for the whole whole weekend, all of his donations were going to it and raised over 2000 I think. That's wow. great. That's yeah. phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a real good time. Yeah, and I did, did well, which was nice. Yeah, you you did pretty well yeah, with boy. that. Uh, boy, boy, boy. Uh, both you and uh, your dad made the cut, I believe. Yeah, uh, on day one of Swiss, my father finished 5-1, and one, and I finished 6-0, and oh, and the only loss either of us had was to the other person. I had to uh, <laughs> play him in round five. Um, but So that was cool. Um, and then he went out in the top 16, and I went out in the top eight. Uh, but yeah, super successful weekend. Really happy with it. Uh, turns out, Whenever you can bomb forty-five different locations on any given turn, it's uh, it's a pretty decent. List. He's le- he's legitimately not exaggerating. No, so <laughs> so I ran uh, five scimitar squadron bombers, which are the I two tie bomber with uh, thermal detonators and skilled bombardier, and then one had a tracer missile and one had an ion missile, and then I had a gunboat with a tractor beam for an even two hundred points. Uh, but so, if you're unaware, <clears throat> thermal detonators let you drop with a one or two straight template because uh, you can drop up to two at once. But they have to use different templates. Uh, the nimble bomber ability on the tie bomber lets you use banks instead of straights anytime you drop a bomb. And then skilled bombardier lets you increase or decrease the speed, the template that you use whenever you drop a bomb. So a tie bomber with skilled bombardier and thermal detonators can use any one, two, or three straight or bank maneuver to drop a bomb. So that gives uh, you just. Two bombs in any two of nine possible locations. Correct. Times were, five. Times <laughs> five, yeah, for for ten bombs in forty-five locations. That is ridiculous. Yeah. It looks yeah. ridiculous. Uh, uh, I had to play uh, Carson Ray of Radio TCX in round one. I nemesis. And uh, he had Poe, Lulo, Jess Pava, and Rose Tico. And Lulo and Rose died without me shooting at them because they both got hit by exactly four bombs and rolled exactly four hits. Uh, so I definitely had some luck on my side this weekend as well. That is so dumb. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it was, uh, it was a really good time. I discovered a pretty dumb list. If you want to catch people off guard with something that looks super janky, uh, I would recommend it. I would not recommend it in person if you're playing like you know a oh, family member or something. No, awful. Uh, but on TTS, it's the perfect the perfect place for it because it's much easier to drop bombs, especially under ships and such. Oh god, um, yes. Yeah, in person, you would have to be proxying ships just constantly to place bomb tokens, which would be uh, very annoying. You start making bad bomb choices just so you don't have to proxy yeah, ships. No kidding. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was my Lima Open. I uh, played a lot of really good, really good. Everybody was in a great mood. Most people thought the list was hilarious because. It's hard not to laugh whenever you have to roll a single die ten times because there's that many bombs on the board. Um, good, because I, I can imagine some people might be pretty salty at a list like that. I'm yeah. glad everybody took it in good, good humor. Yeah, as the day went on, people started to realize, okay, this must not be a total meme because I went 6-0 and in Swiss. Um, they, they were figuring out that, okay, there's something here that I'm not catching. And then, and then the bombs would drop, and they'd see how much freaking coverage it took. Um, yeah, yeah, real good time. Indeed. Oh, I... Uh... Finished up a tournament as well, finally. I went out in the top four of the Militant Casuals Jank Tournament, uh, which has been going on since uh, early July. I had a match against Kenneth Lyon, who was my one loss in Swiss, and uh, 
Our match was a little more competitive in the top four. He finally got the better of me, so best of luck to him. The other top four game after, uh, I believe, 10 days of going live has yet to be played. So they're on pace Whoa. to finish somewhere around uh, January, I think. Uh, I'm going to assume January of 2022 is my guess as to when the final will finish. Could be, could be. It's all, almost like it's on an exponential curve. Yeah. It's a Fibonacci sequence. The less <laughs> games there are to play, the harder it is to pair them up. It's like the inverse ninja theory. Ugh. But yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting time. I it was like I mentioned a couple times. My first time flying separatists. I developed a new respect for the faction. I had a good time with all my opponents. I would have had a much better time had it been compressed into a more reasonable time frame. But I probably would have been a lot more fatigued if I had to play all those rounds in one. I don't think I could play a separatist swarm in a six round tournament without going through serious mental fatigue. <laughs> It's a legit a lot of it's a lot of endurance practice you have to do to fly a swarm in a six yeah. tournament. Um, it's rewarding though. It feels good to fly a swarm. Oh yeah, when things are going your way and you get that huge swing of dice, it just feels like you're the juggernaut just crashing through everything. But when you fly like a jackass and forget which of your ships have struts and you put the wrong ship on a rock and you waste 13 dice shooting at Goji and do one point of damage because of his stealth device. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes it's like that. Tank. Yeah. Goji was by far the uh, the star of the Jank Tank tournament. But again, it was a uh, fun experience. I got to meet some new people. I got to meet some cool people. And I got to meet some other people. And it's been... Uh... <laughs> and then some people weren't met at all, probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are people that I theoretically didn't meet in the four months that the tournament took. <laughs> but yeah, good times. What about you, Alex? What have you been up to? Uh, not a whole lot, really. Um, still doing some writing and stuff. Um, trying to teach myself how to edit video like effectively, and that's not going very well. Um, turns out it's hard. Same team. <laughs> oh, man. And I, I have to do it for work. I don't. Maybe I could some I could make someone I could get paid to learn if I was doing it for work, but I'm not. So I'm just trying to read the DaVinci Resolve manual in my free time. Uh, <laughs> uh also like I went home for Thanksgiving like a bad person. But I'd been quarantining, my parents had been quarantining. And that was it. We just hung out. They got a pool table recently since the last time I was there, so I played a lot of pool this weekend. That was nice. Fun. You guys, probably played sixty games of pool over the weekend. You guys would have room for a pool table in your uh Technically a garage, don't you? Yeah, but like renting, you don't want to move a pool table. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah that is true. I will be when I when I eventually buy my forever home, quote unquote. <laughs> I will forever be home, you sound like a pound puppy. I am. Um, <laughs> I will be looking into a pool table then. Cause I man, I forgot how much I like to play pool. Indeed, indeed. Gosh. Hey, Otherwise, remember, there's nothing interesting in my life. So remember when you go out to a bar and play pool. I did no. that once. Twenty. <laughs> Doug and I went out to a bar in 2017, the New Year's 2016, 2017, and played pool. That legit might be the last time either of us went to a bar. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Joe censors counts. That's yeah. We're not doing eating dinner in a sports bar is different than going to a bar, in my humble opinion. They did have pool tables though. Did they? I don't remember there being pool tables. Just I believe they, Yeah. We never played. Well, it doesn't players. matter. They're, they're, closed, they're closed now. Poor one out for Joe Sensors. Uh, Rip. Derek Passwell and Shambles. <laughs> On that note, uh, in a press release in early November, it did get announced that Asmodee, the parent company of Fantasy Flight Games, doing a bit of a shakeup, and the entire Star Wars miniatures line for X-Wing, Armada, and Legion got moved over to the Atomic Mass Games brand, which so far has only been known for Marvel Crisis Protocol. But this has been uh, kind of hot news for the last month or so this a lot of changes came out of it yeah, yeah. um a myriad the, of takes yeah i think the biggest thing is everybody needs to take a deep breath it's uh it's super early on uh it's i i think it's a mistake to assume that it's either a pro or a con i think this is just a move by asmodee favorable for them but uh the biggest thing is we don't have any information and like any solid information and we're not going to until everything clears up. Uh, take a deep breath. On a less positive note, with this realignment, a number of FFG employees got let go, uh, including Matt Holland out of the uh, Organized Play Division and Alex Davey, one of the chief designers of X-Wing. At sad news, these are good folks that have done a lot for the game for a long while. We really hope they land on their feet. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't have 
any information as to the the why or when, but that's uh, you know it, we're not part of the company. It, it's not their responsibility to tell us. It's just unfortunate mm-hmm. to hear. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, it still sucks for them, and they're friends of the community. They've been nothing but opening, engage, open, and engaging with the community their entire careers. So it is. It's a bummer. Mm-hmm. And to you know, shine a bit of a light there. The rest of the folks uh, that we know of are going to be continuing to develop the game. Atomic Mass Games has a good rep for good customer and community engagement. So I think uh, you know things aren't aren't going to be. This is not the death of X Wing. It's just one of those things that happens in corporate culture. I bet for the vast majority of players, the main difference they'll notice is the logo is different on the articles. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think. For the vast majority of players, nothing else will change. I'll have to go to a different website. Yeah. Oh my god. Which really? honestly is the only thing I've heard that's genuinely bad is that the AMG website sucks. It's oh, awful. maybe they don't have forums then, and we can yeah. be saved. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did, however, uh, last week get a new squad builder app on the FFG website, complete with some points changes, which are now happening. I believe uh, November, May is when they've moved those two now. That was what FFG had. Yes, for now. Um, We have no clue whether or not AMG will keep on that same schedule. Um, I feel like it's reasonable to assume they will for now. They didn't have a choice with November because FFG is going out swinging. If I were a gambling (laughs) man, though, I would not be surprised if they do not do a points change in May because they want to take time to actually, you know, learn about the game that they just took control of. Very yeah. true. Learnings Very for true. nerds. Just change stuff. <laughs> Although if they're transferring some devs over, who knows? It's, yeah, as far uh, as we know, Max and Frank but... are still being are being transferred over. Yeah. Um, so again, it's all up in the air. But uh, like honestly, we barely had time to go over the last points and really have them settle in before this points change so, games. Or they uh, they went out with a bang. It's FFG like did. Uh, you know they didn't completely flip the table. The things that we all noticed of of interest and uh, what we think about them. So. Let's go through some of that. Alex, what's the first thing that you noticed with the uh, the new changes in the, the last points up? Hey, everybody. This is Matt. A quick apology. We did have some audio issues here. So to sum up a bit that came through choppy, Alex's first take is that Fang Fighters now have mod slots. So let's continue our discussion on that bit. Check and see if Fenrau has come down and points Has he? It. He hasn't. He never has, and he never will. So he started at 68 from the get-go, didn't he? I wish he was a cheaper rock coming down. But that's not the plot. slots. And it makes Alteric really appetizing when he can either take like a shield upgrade and also still much cheaper than Finn, because Tarek is 12 points cheaper than Finn. Obviously, um, Finn, has a, Finn has one of the best pilot abilities in the game. Tarek's no ooh. slouch either. Oh, Tarek, Tarek has a phenomenal Right, I6 to I5, that's obviously a bit of a difference. But the availability of a mod slot now make Tarek a Tarek. ship that's going to be because, looked at more? Because he, he has not rolled enough dice. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now I'm looking very very hard at old Terok. The Fearless and Afterburners is 65 points, which is three points cheaper than Naked Fen. Like, I think there's... Okay, there's pr- okay. But yeah, it's, that's I, literally the first thing I always check. Is this oh, you say Shield Upgrade Fangs, and now that suddenly gets me thinking. Three Agility and a four-hull, one-shield ship, that's mathematically really tanky. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're three like, evades at range one, too. Yeah, Concordia Faceoff makes them even yeah. more so. I mean, uh. you're tied, you're tie advanced, basically. Unless you're at range one, and then you're the god ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fangs in general. They're hard to bounce because that ability is so strong. And Fenrir is even harder because five dice is dumb. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Oh, we know the fangs are good. Uh, Doug, what did you point out here? Uh, well, Smittle alluded to this, but uh, Poe went down five points to 62. Oh, I forgot he was on your list. Um, my bad, my bad. Nah, you're fine. <laughs> um, bad Poe also went down, but he's bad Poe, so I don't care. Um, Overdrive thrusters went up to eight. Uh, I don't know if they changed for any price other than Poe, but that's the important one. Uh, and Black One went up to five. Uh, so what it actually adds up to is if you do the full fat Poe with everything he had before, he's the exact same price. Uh, but Naked Poe is significantly cheaper. And uh, what I think this really does is it makes Poe cheaper, but you no longer take Black One. Because I think Black One was actually not as auto-include as people made it at two points. It was. Because it was, yeah, like people brought it to you because it was cheap and really easy to fit. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, like, I think like I saw a lot of people start with like heroic R four Poe, Black One Poe, and they wouldn't drop anything below that. And I think Black One was always a lot more optional than people treated it. But now it's five, so uh, you shouldn't pay five points for a slam for a single yeah. one you slam. I don't care if you can 
take an eye on instead of a weapons disabled or whatever. Uh, yeah. That's bad. That's that's not um, it's not a good upgrade anymore. But Poet sixty two seems really good. Uh, particularly, you can do like just R four or just R four heroic for sixty four and sixty five respectively, uh, and that uh, alludes to like Luke to me. This is a ship that's gonna it's high initiative, very good at jousting. Uh, Poe being I six and his foils being better than Luke's means that he's a little more mobile and AC. Um, but this is a ship that can have full mods every turn and just hammer into stuff for a, a really affordable price. Um, I do want to say one, want to add one thing as well about black one. Yeah. Is that a lot of the time because of our four, you're doing a two speed maneuver and then slamming out with the two speed maneuver. Um, overdrive thrusters replaces that. My overdrive thrusters is pretty much as good as black one. Um, yeah. For the escapes you're doing with, we're using Black One for anyway. So there's really no need to bring Black One with if you're bringing overdrive thrusters. Right, and overdrive thrusters is not charge limited. Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, in the times I flew Poe, I always, I usually slammed on like three straights or something oh. to get extra distance. But but most um, people. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, either way, overdrive thrusters is still super worth it on him because uh, it's a really strong card for if you want the ace Poe, the arc dodging. Hard to pin down. Uh, Overdrive Slicer does an amazing, amazing job at that, and it's still super worth it at eight points on him. Oh yeah. Uh, but I like yeah. that you have the flexibility between an efficient Poe and an Ace Poe now, Agreed. as opposed to before you were paying a premium for him anyway, so you might as well just make him as good as possible. I think there's room for flexibility in the build now. This Poe started out at sixty-eight as well when he first came out, the same price as Fenrao, mm -hmm. and he has crept down. He has. He is worse than Fen in my opinion. Oh, he yeah. is. He's very different from Fen. Yeah. It's hard to compare the two. All right. Well, the first thing that jumped out at me, and that's mine's a lot more broad than uh, you guys, was that the hyperspace restrictions got wild. So in almost every faction, the ships that are in hyperspace are the second edition available ships, but they will either have only the name pilots or only the generic pilots. And it's Unless seems, you're rebels. Unless you're rebels, because... Reasons. Or a couple of scum ships. Yeah, a couple of scum like ships. Rebels in general kind of break yeah. a lot of the hyperspace rules. That's true. Uh, their hyperspace a, restriction is they don't get every ship. Yeah, there are a lot of things that got hit pretty hard uh, with this. You can't just do named aces anymore. You can't do cheap, efficient generic spam. There are still ships that you can put a bunch of generics in there, but not in the efficient way that we're used to. It does mean that we've got to use a lot more creativity in list building for hyperspace. It's even some of the things that we were looking at. Uh, you mentioned Terok with uh, who is in hyperspace, Fearless, which is not. Yeah. So yeah. neither are Afterburners a shield upgrade, which are yeah. the two upgrades I talked about. Exactly. So you're seeing a lot of things that are often seen as uh, key linchpins of the game and a format for a faction identity are not in there. For example, the Imperials don't have Darth Vader and Scum does not have Boba Fett uh, pilot in hyperspace. Now, I would actually did. argue that uh, Empire is more thematic than they used to be. But and that's true. a different discussion. Like, uh, the Empire was, you know, it had Darth Vader obviously in like Palpatine, but other than that, it was a bunch of nameless goons that were, you know, running, a, yeah. running the show. I wasn't until after the space. movies that named Imperials became a thing in the books and yeah. like uh, but yeah. you Rogue One when a thousand TIE fighters swarm out of the shield gate, that's what Empire is about thematically. Yeah. You know, um, hey, you know what the Empire doesn't but, have either? Generic TIE fighters. Yeah, but like that's uh, yeah, but you, they you have all black squad every and, other uh, generic like, like <laughs> Yeah, I guess um, the bounce thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh the big thing for me though is a uh, friend of the show, former host uh or guest host Mark Myers uh, was talking with us and was like, is is hyperspace a competitive format or is it just an exercise in list building? And I think the answer is both. Mm -hmm. It's definitely the second one. Yeah. Oh. Um, but I, I, I actually have pretty high faith in FFG that they made it a competitive format. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean perfectly balanced because this game is pretty hard to balance correctly, but uh, yeah, but I think every faction has competitive options. And I think the big thing people have to realize is that, Every faction doesn't get what they want. So not getting what you want doesn't make it bad. It just means you have to find what's the next best thing. Um, like, obviously Imperial Aces are the top thing in Empire and Extended. But when nobody has the, all the options they want, then things like uh, Saber Squadrons for now 35 freaking points become really good. 
Yeah, like um, so we actually were talking on our drive back to St. Louis. Like, you can fit five saber squadrons at Night Beast. That's mm-hmm. a that's a two hundred points. That's insane. Uh, man, I was talking. You can go down to four sabers to do Gideon and Delmico. I think as well fits. Mm-hmm. Checks out as well. Yeah, because thirty five yeah. plus twenty five mm-hmm. is sixty. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of fun uh, options there, and I'm just kind of looking through to see. Uh, you know, you mentioned aces. You know, or the classic Imperial aces aren't uh, going to be a thing. Soontier is not in hyperspace. Vader is not in hyperspace. So I just started looking around for which I-6s are in hyperspace, and quite a few of the named I-6s are still there. Uh, Dengar is still there. Uh, Fen is still there. Uh, Han, uh, Falcon Han. Han in yeah, Falcon Han. Poe. Scum kept yeah. all three of their I-6s. Yeah, so the, you've, you've still got some options. If you want to fly the high-initiative lists, they're still out there. you just got to be a lot more creative in what goes with them. Yeah, but, like, Vader's gone, which has been a but Apparently, like there are still definitely ace options. Kylo exists. Uh, all of the Adas, other than the Jedi General, I think in mm-hmm. hyperspace exist. Um, none of the none of the Aether sprites. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's the point. I, other than the Jedi, Jedi Knight, before. yeah, that's what Jedi uh, Knight before. And to me, but that that's the point. Is that trade. when the point is when people look at is a saber squadron good and they just kind of dismiss it? It's because they're thinking about the saber squadron in context of extended, and that is not the correct context anymore. Like, a Saber Squadron at 35 points is probably really, really good in hyperspace, because there's just not as many Predators, and the Predators that do exist also have their own list-building restrictions they have to build lists around. Yes, indeed. Um, also in hyperspace, Predator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he's not um, wrong. Yeah. He's got a point. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I don't know how relevant hyperspace is going to be with uh, almost everything being online, and the online community, by and large, saying... We prefer extended. We, we want extended. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it, it seems like anything that's not extended is just a great different format, like something goofy and made up. Um, right, so. Podcast Ryan Krauss are, is doing a local tabletop simulator league for us, and he came up with a really sweet idea of you play one extended and one hyperspace game against yeah. your, each of your opponents, which is really cool. I'm excited yeah, to so actually get to use hyperspace. We'll be exploring hyperspace a little bit, but mm-hmm. but by and large, I don't think it's something you super have to worry about unless it's something that you find interesting. Which we um, do. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, because we're, we're nerds. Yeah, but yeah, this, like this there aren't fun. going to be. I would bet before the time we have in-person tournaments again, hyperspace has changed. Yeah. Most likely. All right. So after that rather broad discussion, uh, Alex, what's something else a little more specific that you noticed? Um. So there, are the two upgrades out of the new wave that I cared most about were Hondo because he's the best character ever, and Tracer missiles because they could be re- they could end up being really good. And uh, Hondo was only six points when I was expecting him to be ten, so I'm starting most lists with Hondo. And also tracers are only two points, which is about what we expected, but that opens up a lot of interesting ideas for swarmy lists. Having okay. uh, put them on the table, they are definitely good at two points. I think the big thing is you can't build lists around tracers. Agreed. You just need to help make your list better, yeah. if that makes tracers sense. Tracers need to be a supplement to your list, as yeah. opposed to the main... Like, building a list with a bunch of I-1 ships, where one has tracers and the rest have missiles or other missiles or torpedoes, is not a good list. Hmm. But building a list where one or two ships has tracers and the rest have ion cannons, like that's a, that's a much better thing. Like, yeah. or if... fully modified ion cannons are great. This isn't a great example because ties don't have missile slots, but like if you were bringing some sort of Imperial Swarm and you're like, man, I really want Hellrunner, I just can't afford it, you can throw tracer missiles in that list. And now you have the ability to get the rerolls, but you're not tied to it. It's just a boon. Indeed. Um, which is yeah, what I did with the Imperialist. Like the five bombers and a gunboat isn't like the most jousting power, but it's not bad. But you throw on a tractor beam, and you throw on tracer missiles, and particularly against low agility stuff, low agility stuff, the jousting power goes through the roof. Yeah, um, yeah. It turns was... out giving six plus ships fully modified attacks is a good strategy. But nothing in my list was tied to the tracer missile, other than the ion missile. But again, that's only two points, and I yeah. just didn't care if I didn't fire it. Yeah. And like bombers, you you pick people tend to pick up target locks. Well, Doug especially tends to pick up target locks on disengaged turns. So eventually he'd get that missile off anyway. Like it's not a huge deal. It's not the iron missile is not the linchpin of your list. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Either way, tracers seem pretty good. Uh I do think they're pretty fair at two yeah. because they can't do damage. And if you miss whenever you really needed to hit to get target locks, you're just 
Straight out of luck. Like, and they take up an attack. They are one fewer attack on the table that round. But they also don't have the missile slot, the missile symbol, which is interesting. So your opponent gets the no, range they three do. bonus. They oh, do they? Yeah, they is do. Is it just Yasby that's wrong? Correct. No, Yasby shows them with the missile symbol. They didn't last time I looked at Yasby. Well, well, they do have the missile symbol either way. All right. Never mind then. Yeah, well, you're, one of the other advantages they have that I really like is the ability to give target locks to ships that don't have the target lock action. And you mentioned an Imperial Swarm. You can run, in hyperspace even, two Barons of the Empire with Thread Tracers and four Saber Squadron Aces for 200 points. Uh, that's not bad. Unfortunately, the Barons fire after the Sabers do. Right, so it's yeah. setting the Sabers um, up for the next round. But Yeah, yeah it's just never as clean as you want it to be. Like It's, yeah, it's definitely yeah. preferable to have the Tracers firing either even or before the rest oh, of you your ships. Downgrade those to some Alphas then and throw... Uh, uh, we're right. talking about a completely different list now. Yeah, anyway. right. yeah. 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 But but yeah you, another thing about tracers is they can be fired with focus, calculate, or target lock. So literally can. any ship can fire them. Mm -hmm. That has a missile slot. Again, I think the biggest thing is that you don't you don't build your list around them. They yeah, just don't help build. enable. Matt here again. Uh, we had another audio hiccup this time on Doug's pick. Doug mentioned that the Eddas were a little better than he had anticipated earlier. So let's go into that a bit. Uh, so, I will, uh, to say that I thought the Edo was a pretty bad ship, and, uh, after playing against it this week, Ayla, at minimum, um... Pretty all right at worst. Yeah, uh, one thing we stumbled on, uh, yesterday is that you can put them, uh, uh I think there's, um, but these have a white evade and force tokens, so they pretty much have focus of eight every turn. You put juke on them, and their offense goes up a lot, and they're super tanky. Uh, there might be something there. Um, either way, I think in particular like Obi-Wan and Ayla are really good because they have ways to enable themselves and the rest of their team to be uh, tankier. Um, Anakin has a much worse ability. Yeah. Um, but he is I-6, so he has his own different benefits. Mm -hmm. uh, I still think if you're expecting him to be Suntir Fell, you're going to be greatly disappointed. Oh. oh. Um, the ship chassis ability, while interesting is not nearly as good as being able to double reposition at i6 after you've seen an entire board state move um yeah, there's, there are essentially single reposition aces that have a little bit of phantom like uh, slipperiness yeah their biggest um, thing is the biggest benefit out of the ability is being able to change direction with boost after uh, dials are set but that's know, like comparing them to phantoms are that's a really good comparison there because that ability to boost or barrel roll during the system phase is kind of like it, repositioning like that is like a decloak. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it costs a force, but you also don't have to do it, unlike Phantoms, which don't have to, but like they're not shooting if they don't decloak. So <laughs> they, they really want to. They really want to every turn. Um, <laughs> so yeah, th there is something there. Uh, but these are very fragile ships if you mess up with them. Uh, so I think they were, they're on, on a knife's edge the entire time you play them. And I... Uh, I don't know. I'm con I'm more conflicted than assured about them now, but I before I thought they were just bad, so it is still an improvement. I do want to say I do think your original like verbatim uh review of the Ada is going to still be true, which is a lot of people are going to be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, what, yeah. You, I like, that's what you said. Agree. That's what you said when um, we tried this last week. Yeah. <laughs> and I still think Aether Sprites in general are better. Um which CLTs are largely the same price as them. Um Actually, I guess CLTs are a little more whenever you... The naked Aether Sprites are about the same price as them across the board. Yeah. So you the high edition ones are paying about 4 points yeah. for CLT or 20 um, points for yeah, Delta, for Delta B. B. Uh, either way, they do they do accomplish different goals than, than Aether Sprites, which is good and uh, healthy for the game. They have All a place, which is not exactly what we expected to happen. <laughs> and they still have the potential to be stupid broken in the right hands, I think. Just because White Evade is really, really strong on Force users. Especially with 3 yeah. Agility. Like the, um, look, at, look at Inquisitors. Inquisitors ran rampant forever mm -hmm. with, like, just yeah. having a Force. One Force and a White Evade. And now we're looking at I-5 named Jedi with 2-3 to three Force and an Evade. Yeah, I mean, one way you can look at these guys is a Jedi General is 5 points more than an Inquisitor. And for that, you get an extra force, an extra initiative, and an extra die out of the bullseye. And, and that is a pretty good lose, value. You lose one health. Mm -hmm. You do lose one health, yeah. But it's still a pretty good value. 
Yeah, so. Can't argue with that at all. So One yeah, thing- uh, overall, just uh, recanting my uh, my previous opinion and saying they're better than I thought they were. Tempering, tempering the opinion. Tempering, yeah. Very true, very true. One of the things that I liked that I saw, and I believe uh, one of your opponents uh, in the Lima Open, Doug, was flying Obi-Wan with Auto Blasters. I knew you were going to go for this. Yeah. You were just sucker for Auto Blaster. Yeah. Auto Blasters, Marksmanship, and R7A7. Yep. And I hate Obi-Wan. I just want to point out. Yeah, yeah, it's when I talked about this. So I still want to go on, for the re- on the record. Auto Blaster is a bad card. And people need to stop spamming it as much as they do. Please. That being said, <laughs> the Ada is the one chassis it is probably worth its points. And that's only because it's the first chassis that is a genuine ace. So it can utilize being out of arc and having shots way more frequently than anything else that takes auto auto blaster. This just in. Um, Tashi Station Podcast says six aren't aces. Yeah. <laughs> so, Uh-oh. yes, the, I played against that specific build. And at one point, he did roll up range one out of arc bullseye and he rolled uh crit i i blank spent a focus marksmanship r7 a7 i just had to take three uncancelable crits it was annoying <laughs> still uh, not broken by any means it's annoying yeah, uh, potentially not even better than a naked obi-wan yeah <laughs> but no but that, that, Obi-Wan, that obi-wan there is 56 points for that as gimmicks go it's not that. a bad gimmick but you know yeah, everyone's like fifty-two base. That's he's forty-one. Obi-Wan? No, base, everyone yeah. is forty-nine base. Ada's okay. Uh, also, other thing, uh, Ada's have a five-point tax because you have to take sense on them. Yeah. Uh, so that's actually a sixty-one point. I mean, yeah. sense makes uh, the chassis abilities negatives negated. Yeah. So you're basically you're paying five points to give yourself a full knowledge system phase. Yeah, which is very necessary, in my opinion, if you're wanting them to be actual ace-like ships. And if you don't want them to be actual ace-like ships, they're not very good. The exception being Ayla, who is basically a mini Fenrau. Yeah. You can shove her up range one of people, and she'll never die. Very true. Well, mentioning Fenrau brings us to uh, one of my takes about the scum faction that we mentioned earlier. Boba Fett not being in hyperspace, but Boba got hit pretty hard again. Uh, While his points didn't change, Slave 1 went up a point. Boba got exiled from hyperspace, and they traded away his crew slot for a second mod slot. Now, on his face, this looks like they said, oh, Boba plus Maul is just everywhere, which was true. But here's here's my hot take. Maul was not what made Boba Fett really, really good. I Boba mean, Fett's chassis and ability are what make him really, really I good. I mean, Maul put, Maul's what put him over the top. Exactly. And free mods are free mods. Like, Maul is, Maul, it's a, definitely a loss losing the crew slot. Yeah, it, it is a loss. It lets you do things. One of the things that I saw brought up was you can run him with, for effectively nine points, I believe that is, a white reinforce, which the free rerolls from his ability kind of makes Boba a little tankier against swarms, which is never bad. But again, like we've said before, this isn't a hard nerf. It's a, look, we're going to force you to be more creative. You can't just slot in the plug-and-play Boba Fett that has been a mainstay of hyperspace for the last year. Now, i got to say, as someone who's flown quite a bit of Boba and who loves the, the fire spray, I like this change. It, And I know, Doug, you hate this. It makes thematic sense the way they described it. Hey, Boba's a loner. He doesn't have a crew slot. Okay, sure. Good. You know, makes sense. I mean, I like, I like it because it. it lets them balance Boba Fett and sort yeah, of have you to use theme to justify a game balance. That's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I can't you know be angry at that at all. Uh, a lot of folks are pretty salty about Boba not being in hyperspace. You know, I'm sorry your easy mode button isn't in this one particular format. I Guess mean, they're what? bad about Vader, too. Like, it's that it's people's favorite pilots is the issue there. But I agree hey. with you. Like, play extended if you don't. If you if what you want to play in hyperspace isn't there, play extended. Hold on. You mentioned favorite pilots. I got to go see if uh, he's in hyperspace here. Nobody cares about Porkins, Newt. Porkins is in hyperspace! And Yay. nobody cared. Zero people cared. <laughs> I feel slight. This just in. Porkins is still bad, even in a hyperspace. <laughs> oh, it's still in. Or Justin or something. I don't know. The point is, Porkin sucks. <laughs> Sorry, I All right, like Alex, what was your third take? <laughs> uh, 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to come on so hard as Porkins. It was a little harder than intended. Oh, oh you not talking about good cards, Alex. I mean, uh, I mean, there are good cards. Um, the last thing I would talk about is uh, the two Astromechs that were coming out for Republic, the Q7 and the R2-D2. We talked about Q7 a lot in our last cast, where uh, uh, you can boost a barrel through obstacles. That's a big deal on Jedi. You're bringing gas clouds anyway, and now you can fine-tune control over a gas cloud. Maybe take a strain, but it puts you in a way better position kind of thing. And the uh, Republic R2-D2 is a... Uh, uh, he, he has two charges. He lets you regen a shield, repair a damage card, which means flip down a face-up one, or discard a face-down one, or discard a device at range one. Um, a lot of things. The difference is he takes a strain, or a deplete. Uh, deplete yeah. instead of uh, a disarm token. So it's a little different play around you have to do there. Yeah, um, I only have one game trying him out, and uh, the flexibility of his ability is obviously really nice. I'm I'm not positive it's worth two more points. Uh, like I I just I genuinely don't know. Uh, f- from that game that I played, both times that I regened, I regened a shield, and it was on a disengage turn anyway. In which case, I'd prefer to have the disable or the disarm opposed to the deplete because the disarm goes away after a turn, uh, and I wasn't I wouldn't be locked into a blue the next turn. Um, but obviously, like Adas can't use R two Astromex, so they prefer R two D two. Um, and uh, like you you pointed out, it's a way to flip down things like structural damage that can cripple a ship. Indeed, indeed. Um, and the ability to disarm a, a proton bomb or something is is really strong. What'd you uh, say, Matt? Uh, Adas can use R2. They don't have shields. They don't have shields. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, that makes a point. There you go. I was <laughs> they like, they couldn't carry take a shield upgrade in R2 Astromech. Yeah. yeah. There you go. But the but point is... Indeed. Yeah, I just take a R2-D2 at that point hey, for maybe. way less than a shield or upgrade in R2. Or an R5 Astromech. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, I, d- I don't think that he's... He's definitely not bad, by any means. Like, it's a really strong effect uh, because it's worth 10 points anyway, and then it has way more options than just a regular R2. Um, but I think there will be a lot of times you'd actually still just prefer to save the points and do an R2 over him. Uh, per- I'm thinking in particular on, like, uh, Delta B Jedi. I think I'd probably still take an R2. Um, but it's a matter of playstyle more than anything. Well, and the fact that because it takes a deplete rather than a disarm, you're usually going to regen with, with R2 you're almost always regening on a turn that you're disengaging. This lets you regen while still being in the engage, and effectively, I mean, you're rolling either two or one dice most of the chances there. I mean, you know, ideal situation, you manage to move range one bullseye of someone and then be like, oh, I'll just use R2 and still roll three dice at you. Okay, that's a thing, but... And is R2 an action, or is it just after? No, it's just after no, you it's, activate. No, it's after you activate, yeah. Not even an action. Ah, yeah, that... Which means after you've done your maneuver and taken your action. Right, so that's so useful. Uh, and he can remove an, a That's device. another thing, though. Unlike the the Delta, or the other R2 Astromech, which is when you activate, or after you reveal your dial, with R2-D2, crew, with R2-D2 you can see the board state and then decide to regen. Very yeah. true. Yeah, that is very true. Also, the ability to, after you do all your maneuvers and whatnot, removing a device at range zero to one. For example, you could, you know, if you've got R2 on an ether sprite, you can zoom, boost, barrel roll, and get rid of that bomb that was going to kill your poor little vulnerable ship. You can get one of one of those 10 thermal dead hairs. <laughs> <laughs> Would know, not recommend only... using R2-D2 to remove a thermal detonator, by the way. I can only imagine... Somebody say, I can get rid of bombs with R2-D2. Seeing Doug's listen, just having little R2-D2 in binary going, shit. I do want to... It wasn't on my list of of cards, but having played with Thermal Detonators a lot now, I do want to say that I'm still not actually sold on them. I am sold on them for that specific list, uh, or for, in particular, TIE Bomber spam. Uh, And it's because you really have to overlap as many Thermal Detonators as possible to make them useful. A single thermal detonator is a bad bomb. Uh, like any time I hit somebody with less than three, it was—it's just a coin flip whether it's useful or a waste of time. Yeah, you have um, a seventy-five percent chance of doing something. Yeah, but like strain is contextual. Like the chances of me having an important shot on a ship I just strained is actually really low because I have to drop behind me. Right. Um, which means I either K turn to get a shot or through some 
you know, weird board state, I do manage to get a good shot. But frequently, one strain doesn't mean anything whenever you hit them with a thermal detonator. Um, obviously, the hit or crit is nice, but it's you can't rely on it because it's a single die with a 50-50 shot. Um, like, bomba generator is not making any waves because of how inconsistent it is. Thermal detonators are along the same page. Uh, the, the point was that I literally dropped so many bombs that something was going to happen. Um, and losing the flexibility of the bank maneuvers, I think, and this is this is mostly head sim, but I think it's extremely important for the usefulness of them. Um, I, I didn't drop bombs with straight maneuvers very often in that list. I mostly used banks, and it was mostly like two and three banks to just cover huge swaths of, of the board. The, the point is that individual thermal detonators are super inconsistent. That's the main thing. Not that they're bad, but that they're yeah. inconsistent. Yep. Yeah. And when we're talking about tournament lists, consistency is what's most important. It's and uh, I mean, I, I just played that one tournament and three practice games beforehand. So, like, I think that I dropped enough bombs to override the inconsistency. <laughs> like, whenever you hit somebody with eight thermal detonators, it's going to do something just through volume of dice. I saw uh, some of those screenshots. You definitely dropped enough bombs. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing is, is that I was only able to hit that many bombs that because I had actual forty-five different bomb options, like locations to drop from, and losing the bomber ability and skilled bombardier, I think is is very crippling for the strength of thermal detonator. Indeed. So I just wanted to point that out there because I'm sure a lot of people will see that list and go, "Oh man, maybe thermal detonators are better than I thought," and uh, they could be, but I think you'll be disappointed unless you bring specific lists geared towards them. Very true. Oh, I got a fourth point. <laughs> I'll well, skip I was, my third uh, point. You mentioned that. No, you, don't skip my third point. It's also pretty, your turn for your third point now. Oh, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. You were pretty uh, excited about Q7 only being four points. Is that going to really be, you know, you mentioned really good on Jedi and their ability to just barrel roll. I'll take a strain if it gives me a free evade, effectively. Is that... No, you're thinking of backwards. Oh, you're talking about over gas cloud. Yeah, if I go over gas cloud. Yeah, I'll take a strain and you know, possibly but get that free evade. Uh... I haven't seen a lot of people try using them yet. Do you think that's going to be kind of the sleeper hit of this? I mean, uh, it's only been seven days since the points change came out. Um, it's if it's going to be, it's the kind of card that people are not going to catch on to right away. I don't think like it's uh, value is a lot less obvious than a region droid, and region mm-hmm. droids was everyone's already used to. And I'm not going to lie, I keep I start my list with region droids too. Yeah, but, I mean. It's super easy to get value out of regen, and this is a lot less tangible value. Indeed, but it is um, also a lot less points. That's not correct grammar, but but yeah, I think if if Q7 does catch on, it's going to be because it's cheap, and you can do a lot of interesting things with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, like a lot of its value is really hard to determine without actually playing and seeing if your playstyle it like makes it helpful. Like if you avoid rocks all the time, Q7 is is a waste of four points. Um, but if you finally find, or if you find that you frequently fly in the rocks close to other ships, then the ability to arc dodge while going over obstacles is extremely valuable. Um, so I think it's both a matter of people are going to have to figure it out, and it's a matter of playstyle. Um, out of curiosity, because I don't have Yasby open right now, is it Republic only? Yes, it is. Because uh, I was just thinking about this would com- combo really well with overdrive thrusters. Yeah. It is. Um, and it would combo really like, well back slid. Back, like slide backwards slide. tail slide. Yeah, that one. It would combo phenomenally with backwards tail slide. But, um, but it's kind of like the collision detector phantoms we saw way back in the day. Um, some people brought them, some didn't. And if you brought them and knew how to get the value out of them, they were amazing. Yeah. All right. so I'm, I'm not sure if they actually will catch on, but they're definitely intriguing to me at four mm-hmm. points. Fair enough. Right. Yeah, and they're one of those weird things that um, Republic, like particularly Delta P, Delta B Jedi, are kind of hard to list build around right now uh, because they're appropriately expensive. Uh, and so you tend to either want to do super deep bids, in which case it's probably not worth using the four points when you can just have a deeper bid, or you want to go up to the regen Jedi. Um, so it, it it might be a situation of it takes a couple points changes or something, or something new to come out before they really catch on. Uh, but I still don't think they're bad. All right. Uh, well, Doug, uh, Wookiees went back up to 44, uh, which was relatively quick and I think pretty deserved. Uh, there's a decent argument to be made that they're still decent, as per uh, my father, Bob Howe, just uh, made a cut at Lima Open with two Wookiees and Dash Rendar. 
Um, but the Wookiee right. spam days are done. Uh, I did play against a four Wookiee list at uh, Lima, which was interesting. Uh, unfortunately, the oh, matchup was terrible for him. I can imagine. Um, you just want to see bombs less than anything. No, it's the, it was the tractor beam. It was oh, that tractor I would, beam slaughters uh, one agility. Yeah, uh, it's I would I tractor beam him and then one round a Wookiee, and I did that for the first two turns, and then he played his his butt off afterwards, but he was too far behind. Um, oh, you're a monster. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, so the the big thing is that like the four Wookies plus AP five or Sabine is gone, um, which is probably good overall. Uh, Wookies were too close in price to B wings, and like it kind of invalidated the point of a B wing. Like I could have something with the exact same health, but it could just shoot every turn. So why wouldn't I just bring that? Spoiler alert, four Wookiees and AP5 was going to be my list for the mini Clory, and I had yeah. I was getting reps in with that and then yanked out from under me. So uh I don't think they're bad now. Um this is why I practice is the anime. I want to say they were 44 before they went down. They yeah. were. Yeah, so maybe people will look at them a little more now and realize that they were worth their points whenever people we've, thought they were overcosted in the past. We've seen that happen before. The Slave of the Scum Slave 1 title was originally the expensive one. Yeah. And then they yeah. brought it down, and now it's back up. And, like, I'm st- I bet you'll still see it. Like, I think a lot of times people... Leia! Leia did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Leia's one. a perfect she example. Was, she was six, She was six, and then she, she was, was two. She was eight originally. And eight, then she and was then two. two. And then six again. She's still useful at six. She's seven uh, now, seven, but yeah, but yeah, seven. she's still. Oh, she goes. You still fit her in every time you can. Yeah, she went up a. Uh, I think last one. Gotcha. A while ago, yeah. Uh, you know the Wookies, man. I I love that tanky large arc ship. Forty four is the right place for it, and I hate saying that because it's devastating to my list strategy. But I can't fault it. Yeah, I don't, and I'm not sure so much that. They might be bad at 44. It's possible that they were overcosted, And 42 might be correct, but unless they're willing to bring B-Wings down more, it's not. Ooh. It's too expensive. Ooh, or it's hey, too talk cheap. to me more about that. I'm, I'm not saying that's what they should do either, I'm, but like, what they all of it is bouncing around. Yeah, is all of it is bouncing four. around other ships. And mm-hmm. uh, you need to have every ship be at least some sort of useful. And they, they brought down the name Wookiees at the same time, so I think that's the direction they're trying to push it is rather than having the efficient spam, you can bring the named pilots if you want a Wookiee on the board. Okay, not a bad argument there. But yeah, pour one out for the uh, the Wookiee spam. That was... I'm not going to pour one out for the Wookiee spam. I yeah, never, never was, will. <laughs> it was existent far too long. <laughs> Thankfully, like, I, I, I'd be willing to bet that list was more of an NPE than Spam Text, but Spam oh. Text beat it, so people didn't play it very much. Indeed. Yeah, I can't imagine four Wookiees was any kind of fun to play against. Yeah. Like, when you, you literally can't not be an arc against that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it means I don't have to think about positioning my ships. That's my that's wheelhouse. A pro- that's literally problematic. Unironically, X-Wing is a game of positioning. <laughs> and if you, do, if you, quote, don't have to worry about playing the game, then that's a problem. Remember that ghost fen thing we all heard so much about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or quad wookies. Yeah. <laughs> or triple uh, wookies, which was way more fun because stressing. <laughs> oh, let's not get mired down in nostalgia. Let's go on to my third pick. <laughs> that was a good segue. I enjoyed that. Which was uh, my actual uh, joy in seeing that they quickly identified that Malarus in the uh, Xi shuttle and Tarek's crew were an incredibly powerful force multiplier, and they hit it with a points increase. Still very good in there. You just can't run it with an Epsilon Swarm to the level that you could before. Uh, and the trick is you go down to Gideon now. Yeah, you go down to Gideon, Ask and Master. you get a, a, a different type of offensive Swarm. But that particular malware, as folks were calling it, man, I flew into the teeth of that in every single tournament where it was legal. And it just, uh, also because every time, again, I was playing low agility, beefy lists and, you know, swarms with rerolls really just tear those lists up. And, uh, it actually made me want to learn to fly it. And it was next on my list for options. And then it went up in points. So I'm actually looking for places to fit Malorus, maybe with Terex, maybe without in lists, because I've seen how valuable that ability is. I want to find uh, 
more of well, a Well, I mean, form. you can just leave Terex off and still fit the Malrus form. Which yeah, seems... you absolutely can, and that's you know, one of the things I'm looking there at. Was, there was actually a lot of debate whether automated target priority or Terex was worth more. Um, which means now, if you wanted to, you could do automated target priority on five of them, or you could do something like a Phasma crew if you wanted a little bit of control with Malrus, things like that. Um, you still definitely have options. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that it just, that particular flavor of good list efficiency, they realized, okay, this isn't a problem yet, but it very well could be with everything else that we've priced out of the game. And that's one of the first they've done that in such an obvious manner, I think. realized a lot of the elements of it so you couldn't run it that way. That's suddenly kind of like removing a predator from the ecosystem. The things it preyed on suddenly flourished. And... All right, so, <laughs> yeah, I do, I, I would just like to, in my head, my own little headcanon for what they are in their, uh, you know, velvet-lined offices in FFG uh, Brainchild Headquarters, they said, <laughs> hey, you know what, this list is really giving Matt a hard time, let's, let's be nice, let's go ahead and uh, kind of push it out of there, because it specifically gave me the itis. That's what they did it for. I like that. I'd like okay. to have that. Okay, I'm, I'm just cannon. trying to tell you that the list is still good, and you shouldn't suddenly ignore it. Like, Terex did not make or break that list at all, is what I'm trying to make clear. I reject your reality and substitute my own. <laughs> Pod- <laughs> we interrupt this podcast to bring you a Doug and Newt argument. It's the first one on this podcast. Yeah. But as we've mentioned, uh, we've gone over nine or ten things that immediately just to us jumped out as real big shakeups or surprises or pleasant surprises in many cases. From this change, I think it's uh, while I like to use the term it's the Wild West, nah, not so much. There's still some obvious things out there, but there's a lot of new stuff to discover. I would say it's the mildly abnormal Midwest. <laughs> I was gonna call it the East, <laughs> East but that's yeah. not actually true, it's just an alliteration. <laughs> yeah, let's very hyperspace is the Wild uh, West. We also did see hyperspace that's, is so hyperspace cool. Is, hyperspace sorry, is just crazy, time. I love it. Uh, there have been some updates to the FAQ as well. We're not going to go into big detail on that. Just uh, want to kind of encourage everyone to read the rules reference guide, especially everything that's in blue, because that's new changes there. They have made changes to some cards, such as Lieutenant Dormitz, uh, who went down in points, and uh, you can do triple epsilons again, but Dormitz now only affects small base ships. So, oh, I mean, you can't do... You yes, can but run you, three can't, epsilons, I mean, you, you can't do could, that trick. You run three of them, but the entire... I'm going to stick two of them halfway across the board with Focus Focus Evade at the start of turn one. No longer exists. Yeah, that's not a thing. Uh, they changed how Jam works, and this is just game rules. It doesn't change any card text to the fact that Jam now, if they are in your bullseye, you can jam a ship at range one or two, which is useful because Jam normally has a range one only. So if someone is touching you, but they're in your bullseye at range one, you can jam that ship. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't. Uh, I don't like this change and personally. I don't think it's going to be a very big impact it, right now. But uh, jam is a dumb action. <laughs> like it's when jam is I, less yeah. When jam is good, it's not fun to play against. Like chopper astromech is a perfect example of that. Everybody hates playing against chopper astromech. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 1.0. So oh, while there's nothing, oh, no, he oh. he doesn't work with this. No, Chopper yeah. assigns um, to okay. jam. Actually. All right, that's what I was going to say. I'm like, wait a minute. No. Uh, so while this doesn't really okay. affect anything currently, because everything that has the jam action is immobile, and it's going to be pretty random whether you line up bullseyes or not, uh, I am in general not a favor of buffing jam. Yeah, that's what he says out there. Uh, the other big thing in there is they have clarified how the order of effects during the end phase works. And this is important for ships like, namely, Shock Electronic P, baffle quick that draw. the first thing... Electronic baffle quick draw as well. Uh, they have clarified specifically the order that you clear your route. Uh, you know, you do start of the end phase effects, do all of those. During the end phase effects, do all of those. Remove round tokens and then uh, recur charges. So Shakti, who can spend a force to retain a token, does so during that third part of it and then regenerates that force. So if she doesn't have any force, she loses that uh, 
focus or evade before she would regen the force. This also means things like Tavson can't baffle at the end of a round at the end phase to keep a token going into the next turn. It's like that. Correct. So overall, it was a good thing to do. Uh, yeah. There were a few niche cases that really needed clarified because they vastly changed the power level of that ability. Um, and so it was good to clarify overall and very necessary with Shakti existing. Now. Mm -hmm. So, All right. Well, that's pretty much the news that came through. We talked a bit about the Lima Open. We talked a bit about all the changes that have been made. Uh, just real quick here, guys. Uh, this last week was Thanksgiving for those of us in the U.S., and we'd like to kind of do a little bit of just talking about things that we're thankful for about this community. It's been a rough couple months, year. It's been a rough 2020 for all of us, X-Wing-related and non. But this game has kept us... Uh, it's kept this podcast in operation, certainly, but it's kept a lot of us as friends and as a community together. So... Let's just kind of go around the horn and talk about some X-Wing related things we're thankful for. Alex, we'll start with you. Oh, man. I'm on the spot. Um, I mean, the listeners to this podcast, man. Uh, like, we might still be doing we might still be doing this podcast without you because we didn't what expect a that shill. anyway. But, I mean, <laughs> I thought of it at the very end last time. In the pocket of Big Tashi. I don't remember what I said the first time. But the point is, like, without you guys, we really don't have a reason to do this podcast. And we appreciate like you guys engage with us on our, our social medias and you say nothing but very nice things, which is probably false. <laughs> but uh, like I said, we don't have any reason to disdain you. So thanks for listening. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Doug, what about um, you? Everything, everything but, but the listeners. I want to be thankful for, uh, for gold squadron and Dion and, uh, and really everybody running online events right now. Um, there was a long period at the start of quarantine where I was honestly kind of thankful that I didn't have to play X-Wing anymore. I was burned out, but I uh, I get so involved in it that I have a hard time taking a step back. And uh, it was good to have a break, but now I'm I'm feeling the, the urge again. I want to play all the time, and this is a, an excellent outlet, and they put in a ton of work. And uh, I just I really want to thank them for, for everything they do. Indeed. Uh, they're, they're doing a lot of good work. I think they're making the game a little too easy because, Doug, have you not, have you made cut? No, I went two and two and dropped a crate. And online and played it? Okay, okay, good. So the game's still valid. <laughs> yeah, FFG, like uh, if you make, make any more emergency right. updates, nerf Doug. Just don't give me uh, 45 bombs. or well, 45 bomb spots. 20 bombs, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. True, true. Or aces yeah. or anything else. Like, mm -hmm. turns out Doug's just good uh, I just find things yeah. to abuse, and abuse them shamelessly. I mean, you're you're not you're being too you're not giving yourself enough credit, no, man. That's yeah. Nobody else abused on Fox. Like Nobody else. It's kind of everybody else did goofy <laughs> things like take took a bid instead of just accepting how broken he was. <laughs> Why bother <laughs> bidding when you can just put them where you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some I'm thankful for definitely about this is not just in the past year, but it's all the people who behind the scenes make this happen. Not only the the developers and the playtesters, but a lot of the folks who go unrecognized, uh, the guys who run our local leagues, the people who hype up the game on the forums. And while there's a lot of salt and arguments there, there's a lot of really wholesome interaction on the X-Wing uh, Miniatures Game subreddit. Usually once or twice a week, you'll see somebody going, hey, just getting into this game from first edition, is it worth it? And rather than everybody going, oh my god, read this already, no, someone will always engage with those people and say, yeah, what are you interested in? Here's how you and can go about people it. People are actively the shunned that, whenever they try to dismiss questions, which I, I think is a good thing. There are so many good people in this community. Uh, yeah. Like there's three of us. Yeah. Yeah, you have, you know, we, we three malcontents. There's always and, bad apples. Right, and there are going to be. But the thing I also like about this community is we are not afraid to call out those bad apples and missing stairs. And while not name and shame, we we police our own. There's uh, some name and shame, unfortunately. There is, and at times the community has gone overboard with that. But I like that we don't have the problems that I've seen in other hobbies like that. I'm very thankful that we have uh, a very uh, 
LGBT friendly playing community for a lot of folks. We have more women in this game than I've seen playing any other nerd miniatures game. Uh, we have a, a community where we can have open discourse and disagreement and no one is mocked for holding certain views. You guys laugh that I really like flying porkins, but it's not like you're going on a newt, you're a scrub because you want to play no, an I4 X-Wing with I need a to crappy ability. You're a scrub if you want to play porkins. Like <laughs> 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 Swindle said, there's a few bad apples. <laughs> <laughs> it's us. I was never, never not specific that it wasn't us. <laughs> so, uh, listeners, if you'd like to guest host this podcast on a permanent basis, <laughs> oh, boy, we're not going on the forums yeah. and ripping Matt about how he likes. Exactly, that's the thing. It, we, need, we need him to know how we feel. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I've I've met so many great people through this game, and I've met you too. Uh, and <laughs> most that's... of my friends are through this game. Mm-hmm. You know, we we form a lot of say more about me than this game, but yeah. <laughs> I've I've met people that I only knew as like annoying voices on weird fringe uh, East Coast podcasts, and then I I get a text message going, "Hey, I'm in town. Want to go get drunk? Hell yes, I do." And that kind of stuff just it it doesn't happen in anywhere that isn't a friendly environment that lets you make these kind of connections with people. So I am thankful for the people that make this hobby what it is. You don't have to be a big-name podcaster. You don't have to be a small-name podcaster. As long as you are playing and enjoying this game and making friends, thank you for being a part of it. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Go us. And the you people as well. Also, back to me, The what I said earlier, the listeners are cool. I don't know. Cut me. Um, I'm done. <laughs> Usually um, do. Shout out to my father, Bob Howe. He's all of our father now after this weekend. That's true. Yeah. Uh, during the Lima Open, I had to message Doug going, wait a minute. Is Bob Howe flying Dash Rendar double Wookiee? I'm sorry, Doug. He's is my father. The official now. father of Tasha Station Radio. <laughs> Indeed he is. Uh, my, my biological father <laughs> in shambles. That's true. He's not in shambles. He does not care. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give a shout out. We did mention our uh, local friend, Ryan Krauss, who has had a very good 2020, not only playing some X-Wing with us, and he's running our current league, despite not being able to play on Tabletop Simulator himself, he is uh, putting forth that effort. Ryan also got married this year, which is the last most of us got to see each other in person. And as of earlier this month, he is also, excuse us, Emmy Award-winning news producer Ryan Krauss. So absolute shout-out there to someone who's had an absolutely just legendary last couple months. Way to go, yeah, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Congrats to him. That's All right. So with our thanksfulness and shout-outs done, uh, next episode is going to be our mini-chlorian preview. It's actually going to go up a little later than usual. Uh, we're going to try and get that one up the Saturday of the mini-chlorian, which is... Uh, December 12th. And where on can they watch uh, it? Tashi Station X Wing, Twitch TV slash Tashi Station X Wing. Uh, my father will be doing the commentating for the most part with uh, Mark Myers. I'm sorry, our, our father. father, the father, Bob Howe. <laughs> our father, who art Bob Howe. How will right. be thy name? Actually, <laughs> looking for another hot podcast host now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I messaged him on Facebook when I saw him his dad was playing. I was like, "How's it going?" And I was like, "Oh wait, sorry." How last name spelling is it going? And we're no, no longer friends. Are real. Middle now is on the street. It's impressive that he's recording right now. Uh, but we will uh, type that as much as we can on our next podcast uh, that we're going to be bringing to you next week before the Minichlorian with uh, our fourth teammate and friend of the podcast, Greg, Greg Smith. Greg. Greg. So everybody, be sure to tune in and. Uh, uh, I'll admit, guys, uh, I'm kind of excited to get a little bit of trash talking going. This is a lot of fun. Oh, uh, I've been trash talking. Nobody can hear me, but that's been happening. <laughs> yeah, definite shout out to our opposite numbers across uh, I-70 in the Midwest Scrubcast. Uh, More like a shout down. Boom. Oh, shots we're fired. We're starting early, I see. Shots right. simulate other fire shots. <laughs> Smittle. 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 <laughs> so with that... Uh, 
that's been a pretty good episode. I uh, hope everybody else that's had a wonderful ha- <laughs> I, hope, I hope that's in the fucking final <laughs> recording. It's been oh, a pretty good episode. <laughs> oh, Kratashi oh, Station Radio. I'm Doug Howe. And I'm Alex Spittle. Stay safe. Wear a mask. See you in a couple weeks. Greg, 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 Greg. Hi, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tashi Station Radio. If you'd like to support us and help offset our hosting costs, you can go to co-fi.com slash Tashi Station Radio and toss us a few credits to help keep the Huck cartels off our backs. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at Tashi Station Radio and X-Wing Podcast. On Twitter at Tashi Station XW, and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Tashi Station X Wing. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to like and hit subscribe. Yubby yub.